This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. I want to read this real quick, and then I'm going to show you a video. Um, Matthew 24 and 25. Many of you are familiar with Jesus' words of if you've done it to the least of these brothers of mine, you've done it unto me, right? Those words were spoken right before he was going to be crucified. But it's in the context that that answer, feeding, clothing, is in a larger conversation that started in Matthew 24 when he said to them, you know, hey, this is going to happen, the end, and they ask him this question, verse 2, well, tell us, what are, what are the signs going to be of the end of the age and of your return? Two different things, by the way, the end of the age and his return. And he goes on to talk about wars, rumors of wars. And through all of that, he says, uh, whoever you've done for the least of these brothers of mine, you've done it unto me. But what does he say? Visit them in prison, clothe those who are naked. Do you understand that like, in, the, in the last days of Christ for his return, it's going to be a little complicated. So having disaster relief, having work and helping with brothers and sisters who are suffering in persecution and famine and natural disaster is one of the most important ministries that a church could have. More important than our worship team, more important than our sermon. Like that's important. Now here's the thing. To go a step layer deeper than that, you read the passage of 24 and 25. He's specifically talking about people running in Judea and Samaria and into the mountains. Commentators, theologians make a very specific case. When he says these brothers of mine, it isn't necessarily just Christians, even though that's true, but specifically my brothers, these brothers of mine, speaking of his Jewish brothers and sisters. Now what's happening right now in the Middle East, what's happening right now in Israel, is causing a tremendous amount of suffering for the brothers of Jesus. And I want to show you this quick video. It's five minutes long. And then I want to introduce you to some of our brothers from three miles from Gaza. It's where they live. And we're going to hear the story of how God has spared their life and how you and I then can be a part of loving these brothers of Jesus. So let's roll that video and then we'll do this. Just by the massive siren, I woke up in my bed next to my wife, and after three seconds, I told her, this is something big going on. Be wow. prepared. And we wake up the kids and put them in the shelter at home. On the morning of the 7th of October, at 6.30, something changed. This is my brother standing in front of the gate and look at the time here. He didn't know that the Hamas would attack the Mushav. And my brother could take a decision to close the gate at 7.51. And two minutes later, they came. So two minutes separate us from being second Barry on your oars that those villages that got totally destroyed. White pickup with something like eight Hamas terrorists immediately started shooting at me. We went inside to the Mashal. After I got hit, I went to lie on this tree. They launched an RPG. Yeah, rocket hit this tree. Wow. So you got hit in the shoulder. Yeah. And called your brother. He came, picked you up. 
come across more terrorists. Something like 20, 30. And they're just firing at you. Massive shooting star on us. My brother got hit. He was screaming. I lay my brother back before we went out. Look at the sniper. Oh my God. That wow. put the bullet just above my brother's head. So this is the kibbutz Nil Oz. This is Ron, one of the residents. The Hamas terrorists breached the walls and came in here. And there are 400 residents in this kibbutz. Yeah. And 100 are missing. Missing, killed, or hostages. Or hostages, yeah. Wow. We tried to save what left. And, you know, these communities, uh, wounded. It will take time to recover. A lot of time. The family behind is Alex dancing. is missing. Behind him it's Gidon Pauke. They shoot him through the safe room door. He died from bleeding after eight hours in his wife's hand. The guy there Yair Ben Yaakov, they blow his house. You see how they shoot through the door. People discuss it's like 130 people. That came in. Oh complete arm vehicle, RPG, automatic weapons, so no chance. Yeah, no chance. You see, that's the Gaza Strip behind. Yeah. That's the field, 1.6 kilometer, a mile. And uh, suddenly I don't have uh, walkers. I have uh, two walkers that stay, and you need to walk the field. So this latex, you know, it's you plant it, and after one month, you pick it up by hand with knives. The thing is, you wake up in the morning and you understand nobody's gonna, nobody want to walk here because they're scared. This is their livelihood. And this is part of part and parcel of Zionism. To work the land, to make sure that we leave a mark by working the land. 60% of the produce that Israel enjoys comes from this region. Right. Come work the fields. When you do that, not only are you helping out the farmers, you're also helping out the country. Because this food goes into the mouths yeah. of the people of Israel. We're here in the basement of the Vert Hotel, and this is where uh, the beautiful people of Enabzor are staying. Over half the Moshav is here. Uh, roughly about uh, seven, eight hundred people, and this is what they have to wash all of their clothes. Waiting in line days in order to clean your clothes. These are the practical things that when uh, families are displaced, when they're away from their home, we get to help them out. We get to supply and meet this need. For me, the world now is really, really, really dark. You see me here talking with you, but when we go back to our room, so the pain is, I don't have words to explain. Yeah. You know, this is, is really bringing up just such a, a major point. It's how do you get your life back. back together? And that's why it's so important with the National Faith Advisory Board, CityServe, and Paula White Ministries, and Intercessors for America all coming together just to love on the Shikals right here, just to be able to say, listen, you're not alone, and we're here for you. You are amazing that you thought on us, that you want to help us. I'm not taking it for granted. It's not, it's, it's so, it's so 
powerful. It's give me strength. It's give, it's give me hope, hope of the good, of the light. This is the message. We are together in it. Please don't forget us. 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 So, to the people in that video, Dr. Gepner and Todd Lamir are with us here this evening. So would you, all the way from southern Israel, would you guys welcome Dr. Gepner and welcome Todd? So, welcome to Conduit After Dark. Uh, it's, so I've seen this already a couple times today, but it's just, it's still so hard to watch because, you know, th this is your family. Like, your baby girls are, are here tonight. Like, this is, these aren't like just some numbers. Like, you guys are people. And I, I do want to start with just saying, you know, on behalf of uh, our church, on behalf of the, my brothers and sisters here, that I am so sorry that this is happening in your land. And I also want to say that on behalf of this church, on behalf of my wife and I, we without apology, we without hesitation, uh, unequivocally stand with you and your family, and we stand with Israel. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you all for coming here tonight. So, Doc, <laughs> take us back. October 7th, it's 6.30 in the morning. Were you already up running? Were you already up for your morning run? What was, what was going through your mind? Like how, can you take us and tell us what was happening in your heart and in your mind? Yeah, so you know this beautiful moment on Saturday morning when you wake up in your bed and it's quiet outside and you say that's gonna be a really good day. We're gonna do breakfast, all the family together, it's a shiny day. It all changed. Our life changed at 6.30 in the morning that day. It started with a massive, crazy missile attacked on the south part, on the entire Israel. I looked at my wife and I told her, this is different this time, it's something different. Let's wake up the kids, put them in, in the safe room. You're probably not aware of a safe room, but we used to have rockets for years, actually 22 years since the Hamas took the control in Gaza Strip. And the safe room was built to protect us from missile, not from thousands of terrorists that want to come into your house to kill you and to kill your kids. Yeah. Yeah, the thing that we really don't have a wheelhouse for is that, you know, two miles away, so it'd be like Canterbury neighborhood is bombing Cali, like just randomly sending bombs over, hoping that it might hit something. And you guys have lived with that under the shadow of that for, I mean, most of your life. But this one, like immediately felt different, right? Like, 
Could you feel the explosions or were you just hearing them at this point? So it was different mainly because we are not, you know, you expect there is big fans between us and Gaza Strip and there is several military bases and then there is a front line, line of, of small little towns, like a farm towns, kibbutz. We started shooting around us. And we realized it's, it's... So you're hearing the gunfire at this yeah, point? Yeah, the automatic wow. fires, gunfires around us. And then the head of the security in, in, in the town told us, go, go to the gate, go with whatever weapon you have to the gate to defend yourself. My brother, the one with the blue shirt you saw just now in the, in the video, Elad, is 48 years old. He has also two kids. Um, he went to the front gate and leaded the only one with, with the M16. And he's the big hero in this story. He literally saved the entire 1,100 people from being looted, from being raped, yeah. from being killed in their bed. Yeah, the thing that we've, many of you have seen already when it comes to media coverage, but th these towns have, um, have walls around them. It's not like, like something. And when you hear the word Mashav, uh, kibbutz, just think farm town. Think Kansas town, you know, Jeremy? Like, like little, little town. Everybody knows everybody. Grandma grew up there. Dad grew up there. You grew up there. Your kids are growing up there. It's your town uh, with a fence around it. The, the main difference between Ein Habsor and some of these others was that you guys were able to get the gate shut, which... 100% saved lives. Like if that gate had been open, I mean, there's a chance you wouldn't be here. Absolutely. So just two minutes, as you saw, separate and absorb for being in a town that totally got burned. Yeah. Like there's only a few houses in, in New Orleans, which is right a mile away from us. Wow. Only a few houses got left in there. Yeah, I mean, think about that a mile away. That's not even Stream Valley. Like it's just up the road is how far away that was and people were massacred there it might be helpful to go back just to look i put the map up because i wanted to show where Einhabzor is which is the little red dot there and 3.6 kilometers from gaza let me ask you this because a lot of folks wouldn't know this um how did you guys end up three kilometers from gaza so, as I mentioned, we used to have a rockets from time to time, but between, between that, we have like a, um, um, a fighting with, with the Gaza Strip. It's a very peaceful place. Like, we live in a paradise. I mean, we live a few years in, in Orlando, a, a, a Florida, and a year in Denver, Colorado. My kids, my two daughters and my son is 10 years old, never walk on their own in the street, in the city, right? But where we live, everyone know each other since the kindergarten. So we know everyone so, so well, and it's 100% till that morning was, was a safe place to live, was a paradise. I'm, I'm, I'm a professor in the Faculty of Medicine in Tel Aviv University, and I used to say that every time I come back home from work, I don't know how many kids are at home and how many of them are mine. So the kids are... <laughs> Going all over because it's such a community-oriented yeah. um, town. 
and if I get my history wrong, you can correct me, but sometime around 79 or 80, uh, Jimmy Carter, Menachem Begin, Anwar Sadat were forming this accord, the Camp David. If you've, uh, there's a book called 13 Days in September that's a fascinating read. Uh, but your family ancestors were in Sinai in that point. Were they forcibly removed or allowed to go back to the land, or was it both? So when I was three and a half, my parents have been, and my brother, uh, um, we all been evacuated due to a, a, the peace agreement with Egypt. And we moved to Anabsur, Um it was all sand, like the desert. It was it used to be desert. And my parents made this place from a desert to a paradise. I mean, Anabsur in the entire region, Shkol, is actually provide 60% of the vegetables and the product of, for Israel. So it's become to be a major and important agricultural piece of the Holy Land. Which is amazing. They turned the desert, it's like someone moved to Tucson, Arizona, and made it green and lush. And miraculously, and because this is actually a close-up of like a Google Earth image of in Habsor, um, that little green square right there in the middle. Um, and you can just look around and see the agriculture happening. I grew up in a, in a farm town, so like, I recognize that. So this is that little square or rectangle right there is, is your home. What part of it is yours? Could you, like, are you in the middle? Where is our house? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's right. I can't believe I didn't ask this this morning. <laughs> it's right here. So this is the 80 family that established the, the, the Moshav, the town. And this is the new neighborhood of the, like, the second generation. And we live right here. Oh. <laughs> oh. How many people live in this village? So there are 320 families, about 1,100 people. Um, 400 uh, kids in the age of 12 and below, um, which make us a very um, growth population. Like, yeah. everyone is coming back to live in because, like, all my friends are my neighbors from the kindergarten. That's, that's unique. Yeah. So with this in mind here, um, can you take us through what happened? Your brother's at the gate. Okay, he has shut the gate now. There are four M16s in your neighborhood. So like we have the fire, uh, volunteer fire department out in College Grove, right? Like Marge know about that. Um, but uh, they fight fires, but in your little town, there's the volunteer defense force basically where the IDF has provided four M's or five M16s, whatever there are four of them available that day for you to have access to to defend your town. Um, uh, oh, there's a WhatsApp group, so I guess that's the equivalent of the neighborhood Facebook page. It's the WhatsApp group. Uh, message goes out. There's there's danger. You've got your kids now in there in the basement in the shelter, and you now know that your brother has been shot in the shoulder. Pick up from there, and what happened next? So he gave me a call. How was the defense in a different place? Literally with a stone in my head because I didn't have any weapon with me, but I must protect my, my family. I must protect the village. We cannot let them get in. And with that understanding, um, once he gave me a call, I drove as fast as I can to pick him up. And I took him from the 
back gate. So the road, you can see the 232, I took him to the back road, the white road that goes all the way so it's, up. It's like right here, right? Yeah, up, all the way up. And that's like a the, dirt road going up. From the off-road to the medical center, to the closest hospital. So we got to the main road. Which is 241? Exactly. So 20 minutes drive from here is the hospital. And, and the bullet was coming from here with understanding it doesn't go out. It can be in anywhere in the body, including the internal organ, which means is under an immediate life risk. I looked to the left, it was clear. And when we turned to the right, I see them in front of myself, like 300 feet for me, two pickups, five motorcycles, around 30 Hamas terrorists that started a massive shooting in the car, like bullets were all over. My body was screaming and bleeding, you know, on the way here on the plane, I saw for the first time the TV or a, 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 a movie. And there was like a James Bond, like they're jumping from the car and people are shooting. And I said, nah, this is not, this is nothing. This is not, it works at this all. This is nothing. <laughs> We've been through something way, way more dangerous than that. And they tried to kill us. You see the death in, your, in, in front of you, like threat of death. And the, the two of the motorcycles trying to catch us and they're shooting all over and I'm going reverse and, and, and as fast as we can, like 40 miles per hour reverse and there's two motorcycles trying to catch us and luckily we be able to make the U-turn and, and we went fast as we can back to the village. I scream in the WhatsApp group, open the gate, open the gate, I'm here with my brother. He got shot again, so in two different places we got in, luckily, to the, to the village um, and realized we have to now, as fast as we can, bring him to the hospital. And um, luckily, again, God was with us in, in so many ways that morning. Um, it was an ambulance by chance or, or by God. And, and that morning, some of the people and the driver wasn't there. Some of the people went to grab the ambulance. We put in, in an IV. And tonight gonna lose his plasma volume. And we drove literally two hours off-road trying to find a way, escaping between Hamas terrorists, see them in front of us, hiding. And likely right before my brother got into a shock, we put him to the ER of, of the medical center. We were the first that morning, that black Saturday, to get to the medical center. Two hours later, when we came down, because we realized we're not going to be able to make the surgery because there have been 800 people being there all over. The, the entire ER was red, all covered with blood. People were screaming and dying everywhere. Wow. That was very hard to watch. Well, for the record, uh, this should be, uh, Elon Musk should send you a car. So, I don't know if you mentioned the part that this was a Tesla in sports mode. <laughs> I mean, I, in my car, I don't think I could go 50 miles an hour in reverse, but in a Tesla in sports mode, it turns out you can run out Hamas terrorists. So, maybe it. that's the first Tesla that, that, that escaped from terror attack, but 
I definitely always say that Tesla was one of my best buying choices of my life. I don't know yeah. that that's actually the, the choice that's going to save mine, my brother's yeah. life, maybe the entire yeah. town. No, yeah. I mean, I was, I've been pondering that today because they're literally filling this car full of holes. You know, in a car like mine, there are hoses, there's belts, there's all kinds of things that a, a one bullet could have stopped. But turned it into a pin cushion, and you guys still were able to make it back. That's incredible. There's one question of clarification that I'm thinking. Uh, did they leave the keys in the ambulance? There was no key. Okay. But, you know, every, but every, you started most, it. Most of the people in, in Israel are saving the IDF. And, and people here in, in the village are coming from... Many of them serve in elite unit, and we have been trained to solve problems. <laughs> and even without a key in the ambulance, people brave with a very a lot of creativity find a way to bring the ambulance and save my brother's life. I mean, it's remarkable. Uh, I know one question that's on everybody's mind is, how's your brother doing? He was under a lot of pain. Um, just imagine, it's my brother. We're so close. I was mid, with my finger in, my bull, in his bullets, bullets holes for two hours, trying to save him. He went out after, he went to a very tough surgery with three weeks of medical procedure and he's strong. He's well now when he's back home. He's walking with his M16. And he's ready to do whatever is needed to keep protect the people of the village. Yeah. Well, I was, so you're, uh, so obviously you've lived in the United States, you lived in Orlando, Denver, and so you know, like you're in the South. And, um, we have nothing but respect for someone willing to pick up a weapon and defend his family. Nothing but respect for you guys for that and the courage that you displayed. There were, uh, there were lots of heroes that day. Uh, you're one of them. And you girls are some of them as well. I mean, heroes sitting right here in the front row. Thank you. We simply did what we need to do. Yeah. Yeah, but it's funny you say that, because that's true. And so many in the world would have not done what they needed to do. That's why you're a hero. Because you saw what needed to be done, and it was hard, and you did it anyway. And nothing but respect. I want to be like you when I grow up, Doc. Todd is with us as well. And Todd, um, could you tell us a little bit about your background? I don't want to be a spoiler, but uh, if, if you remember seeing... Uh, a viral video a while back of Michael Tate, Ian Eskelin, uh, I don't remember, a bunch of Nashville people singing in the Capitol building, worshiping the Lord in the Capitol. Uh, that, Todd made that happen. Uh, he is influential in many places, and he now, go ahead and tell us what you're doing now and, and what we can be doing to help. Thank you, and thank you, church. This is, this is an amazing church. Would you agree with me on that? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It's... Uh, Actually, the girls, this is their first time in a, a Christian church service. They saw their first baptism today. Isn't that cool? <laughs> it's a, like, why are they putting it's in a the day water? of first for y'all. And uh, 
I did have the privilege of serving uh, the chief of staff to, uh, to the senior uh, advisor on faith to President Trump uh, in the, the uh, Trump White House uh, in the White House Office of Faith and Opportunity Initiative. And I know when I say that, I got to either pucker up or I got to duck. So, you know, just not sure which, uh, what the crowd is here, but uh, that's, uh, I got one clap. There we go. Come on. All right. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and then we got kicked out. Yep, <laughs> so, yeah, that happened. Um, and so uh, uh, I, uh, for the last uh, couple of years, have served as the uh, uh, vice president for government relations for an organization called CityServe. Uh, CityServe International is an organization that uh, uh, exists to resource the local church to become the heroes in their community. Last three years, we've done about $1.5 billion in goods and kind through the local church to help the hurting. Uh, seven months ago, we started City Serve Israel, uh, we, and uh, just by divine province, and, and that's when we've really connected here with, with Enabzura. And let me just say, you are talking about heroes here, and you're talking about people who the IDF only gives five M16s. You cannot buy a rifle, a, a, a private citizen cannot buy a rifle in Israel. You can buy a handgun, but those are pretty tough to come by, too. Yeah. But as far as rifles, you can't. So the only way you're going to defend your Moshav or your kibbutz is by one of those five M16s. They had four M16s available to them and this man holding a rock. (laughs) I'm telling you what. I feel very safe when I'm with these guys. We picked in Absur. Now, as far as city serving, and there's a collaboration. And one of the reasons we're here with you, Pastor, and with your church is we believe in the power of partnership. And so City Serve joined forces with National Faith Advisory Board, Intercessors for America, Paula White Ministries, and now Conduit Church to, to really take this, this big pie called Israel. And it's like, how do I just give to Israel? You know, it's, it sounds, it's just big, right? And it's that 30,000 foot view. So we said, we want to go ahead and just take a sliver of that pie, a piece of that pie, and we chose Enabzur. Now, the reason why we chose Enabzur is because Enabzur is a biblical town. In 1 Samuel 30, there's the story of David and his 600 men who went to fight against Ziglag. And while they're banging down Ziglag, the Amalekites come behind them and steal all of their wives, their children, their cattle, so that when David and his 600 men come back, everything's gone. And David asked God, what do I do? And he says, arise and conquer, for you shall fully recover. It's a big, big phrase, you shall fully recover. So the 600 men go chasing the Amalekites to get their, their families back. And they stop at the Valley of Bashur, or modern day, and absorb. And it's there that 200 of them said, I can't go anymore, or we'll, can't go farther. 400 went and got everyone back. But it was at that place that they actually set up camp. It was at that place that, that was the, the, the rallying point 
for David and his men. And what these guys have done in in Absor is they're living, they literally are living out their legacy, their heritage. What, What David and his men did back in 1 Samuel 30 is exactly what they did in the very place that David did with his men. And so uh, just the biblical significance is just amazing, you know, to do that. And to create a staging area now. And to create a staging area. For the rest of the area. And so that's what we want to do, Pastor, is is we've taken and absorbed. Not only are they heroes, but they got hearts bigger than the state of Tennessee. They, this is what they said. We got spared. God protected us. So we want to be a blessing to the kibbutzes that didn't fare as well as we did. One mile, the kibbutz near Oz. You saw the pictures. That was from near Oz. I mean, just totally one out of four were either killed or, or, uh, or kidnapped. And near Oz is up in the left corner right there at the top. To the other side of the mile, you've got um, the kibbutz Berry. They suffered massive casualties. And so what, what Enobzor, the people of Enobzor have said is, use our land. Come back to our place. It's going to take a year to two years, probably closer to two years, for them to be able to rebuild and get back to their kibbutzes. So where do they stay? These folks have said, you stay with us. They have 240 lots that they have given to these kibbutzes to say, listen, our land is your land. What we have is yours. And I'll tell you what, that's, that's uh, you, wanna, you wanna be part of people like that, amen? Yeah. Those are the type of people that you actually want to be around. I, I just wanna mention, we are not more hero than the other villages. Yeah. We just be chosen and to be the one that help the others. And, and we need you to help us to help others. And you know, and that's the beautiful part right here, Pastor, is, is the collaboration between Jews and Christians is this is our time to shine. Yep. This is our time to say, you know what, we believe in in Genesis 12, I will bless those that bless you and curse those who curse you. You know, this is our time to shine. So what we did, Pastor, is to make this practical. Is we said, we want to adopt the 320 families, the 1,100 people, the 400 children that are 12 years and under. This is a village of kids. And one of the saddest things to see is walking through their Moshav is you've got these beautiful playgrounds and there's no one there. No kids swinging on the swings or, or playing and none of that. And so we said, how can we help them? Well, there are a couple of things that we wanted to do. All of them, and you've got this, uh, the other picture where they're, they're down in a lot right now. So they li- literally... It's at the very bottom of the screen. Right here. This is where... Almost seven to eight hundred of these um, beautiful residents of Enabzor are staying in a hotel. Now, a hotel is nice to stay at for a week, but a 200 square foot room, he's got a family of five, and it's been seven weeks. And guess what? 
it's going to be at least seven, eight, ten more weeks before they can even really begin to think to get back to the area. So we wanted to help them out practically by clothing, and our friends at Jockey have helped us out with that, and in washing machines and, and all that good stuff there. But we wanted, they can't work. Yeah. They, they're not at their fields, they can't work. So we wanted to say, listen, let's, let's do something practical. Let's adopt a family. Let's adopt these 320 families, amen? Let's, let's say, listen, you know what? We're in this together, and you know, you're, you're part of our family now. And you know what they say in Tennessee, you can pick your friends, but you stuck with family, amen? <laughs> and, and you family. And so that's what we wanted to do, and we said, listen, let's, we can't pay for everything, but we want to give them a $500 a month stipend for the next six months to be able to say, listen, this is to help pay for the things that uh, mortgages still need to be paid. You yeah. know, your, your, your car loans still need to be paid. You know, electric, every, you still get your same bills, but yeah. you're, you're, you're living, three, that's three hours, by the way, from the red dot down to the bottom is a three-hour drive. And so uh, we're honored to be able to, yeah. to partner with you all uh, for, for such a time as this. Well, we've been, um, we've been praying for a, a partner in Israel. Uh, my buddy Zev Orenstein up in Jerusalem, we've helped them with some body armor and things like that, but we've been looking specifically for something on the border here right in the heat of it. And so when I got the call, JT and Sarah Olson are here tonight. Sarah messaged me on Friday night or Thursday night, whatever night it was. Uh, I was like, this, this is it. I can just feel it that this is it. This is what we're supposed to do. And the idea that we can very, very practically, 500 a month, it's not enough to uh, change their lives, but it's enough to change their life. Like, because if you've been in a disaster situation, if you've had, if you've even just showed up without your luggage at an airport, right? Like, you know what it's like to not have what you need. And you guys did not have time to sit and pack and think and or, you were evacuated. So we want to give a little bit of a relief to our brothers and sisters. And Todd has promised me I can go with him in January. So I'm excited to get to go Amen. and see this for my own eyes and pray. And, you know, so, but for us as a church family, what, what I know about our church family, what I know about most people in America in general, specifically Christians, you see something and you want to do something, but you don't know what to do, so you don't do anything. We have a church full of people. We want to do something. This is what we can do. 100% of what we give is going to allow families to buy enough time to get back home to get back out uh, to, you know, and absorb so they can now stage and get the others like Niraz and the others back up and running. Uh, Jesus said, this is the southern tip of Israel. Northern tip is where Caesarea Philippi is. That's where Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Violence is a gate of hell. And as a church, we aren't supposed to build a church and build walls so they can't get in. That's offense language. Our job as a church is to go right up to the gate and kick it down. So when we come to the violence of Hamas, this murderous, cowardice, torturing, terrorist, demonic, straight from the pit of hell organization, we're not scared of them. 
we're going to kick those gates of evil down and stand beside our brothers and sisters. And step number one is we're going to financially help you. As of right now, after the two morning services, we're at $40,000 that has come in so far today. Um, and I'm believing God that that's going to, that's going to go to 60000 before this week is over which is 20, it doesn't sound like much, but that's 20 families for six months, right, that we're helping out. And I know that you guys are headed to other places, and we're going to pray that those are also uh, a blessing to you. Um, the way that you can do that, if the Lord puts it on your heart, we're going to pray for the Gepner family. Uh, if the Lord puts it on your heart, if you're, you know, look, it's the 5 p.m. There's some young people in here. I don't have that much money. 20 bucks can a day, like literally a family for a day for 20 bucks, if that's what you've got. If you have nothing, just go home and share this video all over YouTube from this morning and tell, every, tell all your friends about it. There's ways that you can help. There was a young girl. Um, I didn't ask her permission, so I, well, her, she's, she's going to be on the internet, so Lucy. Um, 12 years old, the Lord just rocked her heart this morning, and she had $1,500 saved up uh, from walking dogs. And she said, and she, you know, tears just the Lord just put on her heart that I can help these brothers and sisters. So she actually brought an envelope tonight and presented it to them for $1,500. There's, there's, that's literally, right? A family for three months that a 12-year-old. So I just pray that God awakens the possibilities in all of us that we can send out uh, the Gepners to wherever they're going next with a, uh, with a full purse to be able to go and, and help these brothers and sisters. Um, are you girls comfortable to come, both of you? I want you to meet the Gepner Warrior girls. Taylor Swift's got nothing on these girls. Hi. Hi. So can you just share what's on your heart before we pray for you guys? Um, One or both of you, however you want to do it. Uh, yeah. Do you want me to start? Huh? Okay. Um, I just want to like take this opportunity to say that, um, well, this has been like a really um, hard like uh, two months, and today coming here to this magical and such a powerful community, it's that are willing to help us. It, it just brings so much hope, and um, it really makes me personally so much stronger, and. Um, Thank you so much, really. It's unbelievable. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for all of your support. It really gives us, like, hope. Um, I can take this moment and uh, um, to remember um, a good friend that I lost um, on that day. Um, teachers, my teachers, my uh, friends, one of them, the closest one, um, his name was Carmel. Um, he died that day um, along with his mother. So, yeah. I think that we just want our friends back, our life back. We just want to go home. Like, 
it was my dream, I think, like a few months ago to like live in a hotel or just like be in a hotel for a few months or like weeks. But now I just want to go home. We want you to go home too. And I want you to hear me say this. There's a lot of nonsense in the internet right now. There's a lot of nonsense from American universities uh, that are taking the people that murdered your friends and giving them honor and respect. And I want you to know that that is absolute insanity. And that there are way, way, way more sane people in this world than the insane. The loudest people are usually the smallest group that just because they're loud doesn't mean there's a lot of them. Uh, and there are, more, is the, uh, there are more with us than against us and we stand with you and you are loved and the hatred that is out there, uh, it's straight from the pit of hell. It is not uh, normal, it's demonic. But there are enormous amounts of Jesus people, Christians, Jews, all over the world uh, that are praying for you guys every single day. The Bible, even the Torah, the part we all share, it says to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you, right, be blessed. And we, as a church family, believe that. As a church family, we, think, we know that Romans 11 is just as much a part of the Bible as Romans 10 is, right? That all of Israel, God has still got a special place in his heart. And one of the things we say, I have not said this to you, Doc, but if we as Christians think that God would break his promise to Abraham, how on earth could we imagine he would keep his promise to us? And what we say is this, if it's true for the Jew, it's true for you. <laughs> okay? It's a lousy bumper sticker, but it's a truth of this Bible. So, uh, Shannon, would you join me? And we're going to pray. And as we're praying for the Gepners, I want you to join me in that prayer. And I just want to ask you to ask one question of the Lord tonight. What would you have me to do to help? And whatever that answer is, conduitchurch.com, there's a drop-down that says Israel in the, uh, in the menu. You can do that at the Church Center app or on our website, and 100% of that will go, and we'll get that check out immediately to you guys, because we do not like, we're not a reservoir, we're a conduit, right? So we keep it flowing, we don't, we don't hold on, this is, not an, we don't, this is not a swimming hole, this is a river, so we'll get it to you as soon as, as, soon as it gets in here. So would you pray with us, Father? Jehovah, we pray for shalom, in Israel, your peace, we pray for Jerusalem. It's no accident that all the eyes of the world are still on the city that you love, God. And because you love it, Satan hates it. And we have a chance as a church to stand with God or to stand with Satan. And we, there is not a choice at all in that. We gladly stand with you, Jehovah. We gladly stand with our brothers and our sisters, these brothers of yours, Jesus in Israel. We believe in a savior that was born in Israel, that was raised in Israel, that was crucified and resurrected in Israel, that's returning to Israel. Israel is important. We know that you're there, God, and we know that you, uh, Lord, you've protected this family for such a time as this, for such a time as this. It's what an appropriate time to have a Ruth in the room. Like you've, Lord, have brought this family, not just the father, but these children and their mama as well to stand and be a light to the people of Israel. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Would you give a hand for the governors and for Todd? Um.